0: Hello yogi, welcome to my podcast. I'm Aiko and on this show we explore ways to put spiritual theory into sustainable practice. And here we are again after a summer break. Welcome Shamananda.
1: Feels like yesterday.
0: (laughs) Yes, so let's get started. We finished the Bhagavad Gita, which took us over a year, if I remember correctly. And now we decided to start a podcast about the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali. And um, as Edwin Bryan said, if you claim yourself to be a yogi, a yogini or a yogi, then you should at least have the book of Yoga Sutra of Patanjali in your bookshelf, even if you didn't read it yet.
1: <laughs> yes, that was a funny part when he said that in his seminar that you may have to just just like dust it off when you have to show it to someone but yeah it should be there and i think it's true that that books have power even if you don't read them but then what to speak of if you read them, even more power
0: yeah of course and also it's helpful like if someone mentions something then you can go there and take a look and read maybe the the part that is interested in that moment of your life and eventually read it all in the future
1: yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: So let's introduce this book. Can you say something what this book is actually and why we are studying it?
1: Yes, So it has become a very uh, central book for yoga practitioners around the world. It was a, a bit of a surprise to hear when we were listening to this seminar that he said that it's actually more studied in the west than in India nowadays. But it was it seems to be the first time that yoga was the teachings of yoga were like written down all kind of in one place like about the kind of metaphysics and uh, uh, philosophy behind yoga but it existed before like uh, like in a tradition where it was just spoken but this was the first time it was like written down in a systematic way in one place.
0: Yeah, yoga was mentioned also in the Kurma Purana. That was maybe before Patanjali, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I, b- I believe so. Mm. So so like maybe what Patanjali has done is to kind of uh, put it in a very systematic and Patanjali did some very substantial uh, editing to make it all kind of systematic, brief and um, uh, and clear
0: so what do we find in this book and why it is so important
1: yeah, so, so in the yoga sutras you find um, what you find a, a definition of yoga and what, is, what yoga is meant for and then it goes very deep into that and uh, elaborates like because for, for example the, the def- we will hear the definition once we start um, with the first sutras but it's like yoga is meant for stopping the the movements of the mind for example so then what is the mind and then it goes deeply into that and what are those movements of the mind and talks about different levels of absorption and then like the, the ultimate goal of the type of absorption that you don't come back out from that you remain in that absorption
0: yeah exactly It explains the deeper meaning of yoga which is not only the asana part this is a very small part of it that fortunately it evolved a lot in the west but yoga sutras of patanjali speaks about the roots and why we are doing that correct
1: yes people can have have many different reasons for doing yoga and that's all fine and but but if uh, if they want some something deeper then uh, that's also available
0: yeah so there are many stories um about patanjali but um, there is one that is uh, kind of more most used and um, yeah would you like to narrate that
1: Uh yeah you, you may have to help me with some some details like yeah sure we we heard this story together <laughs> um so if i remember right and, and this is said to be ar- around 2000 years ago and of course this is the traditional s- story uh, may not be historically verifiable but we are in it for the teaching like what we can learn from this so um so there was a lady named Gônica, uh who had been practicing yoga since her very early childhood, and uh, on her hundredth birthday, she was thinking, "Soon I'm going to pass away because the human body doesn't live forever."
0: <laughs> yeah, well, she was not just practicing yoga since birth; she had developed like the deepest knowledge and realization about yoga so she was the most knowledgeable yogini on earth at that time
1: oh yes uh yeah not just that she had been doing yoga since birth but she uh, uh, early childhood but she had been ex- exclusively dedicated to that yeah. uh, so she didn't you know really own anything other than the rags on her clothes uh, on her body uh, it was said i'm assuming she either lived by begging or you know just accepted whatever fruits would fall from a ne- nearby tree or something like that you know for her sustenance uh, so yes so she had uh, an incredible amount of insight and uh, she was not afraid to pass on. She she knew she was going um, towards a very bright future in her in next next life. Next step. Yeah, but uh, but of course every story as <laughs> as we heard um, needs some kind of n- dilemma to to uh, have a point to it. So she was uh, a bit concerned that she 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 couldn't teach this to anyone because. Uh, in the in her culture at that time, uh, women could practice yoga, but uh, were not usually like allowed. yeah like allowed to be like f- formal teachers. But they could teach their children. That was uh, acceptable in the society of that time. So,
0: so she starts thinking about having a children, but then she realized, yeah, but I'm hundred years old. This it will not happen. But anyway, in my entire life, I never ask anything to God. So maybe I can ask Him something, express my desire, and see what God will give.
1: Yes, and as was mentioned, she didn't own anything, and and it is said that you you shouldn't approach God empty-handed. You should always come with something like a flower or uh, yeah, some kind of gift when you come when you. When you go to, to pray. So so she thought to offer Ganges water. And this is uh, a practice you can see in India. that People go go down into the Ganges river and they cup their hands and they take some water. And then, then they pour it back into the Ganges. So they offer Ganges water to the Ganges.
0: Yeah, because it's considered always pure. It never gets contaminated. So you're able to offer it again and again.
1: Yes. So she cupped her hands, dipped into the water so that she had water in her hands, and then she's just about to pour it out. And then the story, like, like if this was a movie, you you would like, it would say something like, at the same time, hundreds of of miles away or whatever, like
0: over the heaven.
1: Yeah, (laughs) here it's of course yeah up in the heavens. Yeah, there is the god Vishnu, laying on his. uh, serpent bed, which you may see if you look at Hindu iconography, you will see Vishnu laying on a, on a bed of snakes. Uh, or it's one snake with many heads. This is an, an expansion of Vishnu, this snake called Ananta Shesha. And um, suddenly Vishnu started to tremble in ecstasy. And Ananta Shesha got, got worried and, and asked, uh, like, my master, like, uh, are you are you all right? What's what's happening? And Vishnu said to, to not worry, that, that he's, he's shaking in, in, in joy, because he's hearing. What what was, he, what was he hearing?
0: Shiva, like dancing, singing, and playing his um, his drum.
1: Yeah, and he was thinking like, this is my Shiva is is my my worshipper, my my bhakta. And uh, he was just enjoying hearing this the sound of the of the dancing and drumming and and An- Anantashesh couldn't hear because it is uh, thought or at least was thought that snakes can't he- hear very well
0: because they don't have ears.
1: yeah. so Vishnu heard the prayer of Gonika at the same time that he he kind of felt the desire in Anantashesh to also hear the, the the dancing and drum playing of of Shiva. So, those two prayers, Vishnu thought of a way to fulfill them at the same time. So, he sent Anantashesh to be born as a, as a son of, of Konika, and learn yoga from her. And then what, what he learned, he, was, uh, he should uh, put into a book. And then he should revise the book over and over until it becomes perfect. Then he should offer the book to Lord Shiva. And if 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 the book is satisfactory, then Lord Shiva will start start to dance and and drum, <laughs> so so that Anantashesh can can hear this hear the sound of this. So then back to uh, Gonika. so she she pour she starts to pour the water, the Ganges water back into the Ganges, and there falls little worm, a white worm into her, into her, her cupped hands. And she first she thinks, oh no, now my offering is spoiled. You're like because maybe it's not so nice to offer a worm, to, to the Ganges. But as she is about to throw away the worm, it starts to speak to her and say, say no, no, don't throw me away. I'm your son. And then it, and the and the worm grows into a, to a little boy. And and then the, the story goes as, as as Vishnu instructed. The boy is named Patanjali because, uh, Pata has fallen and Anjali into this kind of that's when you shape your hands for prayer
0: yeah the Anjali Mudra which is very famous amongst yogis
1: yeah and uh since he fell into that then so Patta Anjali like who who, the one who fell into the Anjali
0: yeah and then he, he just took all the teachings from this amazing yogini and put it down into Yoga Sutras of Patanjali.
1: <laughs> yes, and offered it to Shiva, and Shiva danced, and that was it. That was the fulfillment of Patanjali's life, and then he went back up to Vishnu.
0: Yeah, so it is said also that Patanjali, he's an avatar of um, Anantashesh. Yes. Yeah, so this was a very brief introduction, and um, the the next episode... We will start the actually sutras, and we will go through chapter um, to chapter one, which can be divided into seven parts, seven sections plus one. So we will go through the first, which takes um, the the sutras one to two, four. Um, is there anything else you would like to share?
1: Yeah, there was some interesting discussion we read about the relationship between sankhya and yoga in the in- introduction of edwin bryant's book
0: oh that's true
1: that it can be seen from different angles whether yoga is like an application of sankhya so, so, and in that way like uh, yoga comes from sankhya but then there's also evidence that yoga is older than sankhya so maybe then sankhya comes from yoga that first came to practice and then people had all these insights and wrote down Sankhya. I should say Sankhya means the kind of science of all the material elements and how they are different from consciousness. And, and then Yoga is like a practice to realize that uh, uh, for yourself, like to have real insight into that. Um, but then there's also a lot of emphasis in different texts that Sankhya and Yoga is the same thing. It's just like two different expressions of of like the same. It's two ways to reach the same goal, either by the, the yoga of knowledge or the yoga of meditation.
0: Yeah. So he was saying that just in the latest years, it took two different shapes and forms, but originally it was, was used even as a synonymous, right?
1: Yeah. yeah. Or like very closely tied.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we didn't say it but I think it was maybe clear for someone we are we are reading the yoga sutra of patanjali with the commentary from Edwin uh, Bryant. There are different books, so.
1: Yes, and um uh what, what this Edwin Bryant has done is he has gone through all the kind of classical commentaries and translated them from Sanskrit to English and then he kind of ties it all together
0: yeah like i'm no one to say that but he really has done a remarkable work with this book
1: yes yes it's very exciting to read
0: yeah Yeah. okay so that was wonderful to have a talk with you and see you next time next academy
1: looking forward to that thank you
0: i hope this episode fulfilled its purpose of inspiring you if you like it feel free to share it give a review or a rating subscribe and if you have any question please get in touch at aikoota.com